Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a podcast from Minute Media. One-two coming. He struck him out, and the ball game is over! Adonis Medina with his first Major League save. The Mets get a split in this big four-game series with the Dodgers. A fantastic game tonight. The Mets rally for three in the eighth. The Dodgers tied with two in the ninth. The Mets make their one run in the tenth stand up. Medina gets the save, and the Mets win it five to four. How would you describe this game? How would you describe this series? Oh, man. It's a little bit of an adrenaline rush out here. Um, But I don't even know what to tell you. It's two of the best teams in the NL going back and forth. Um, It's just huge, man. I I tell one of the guys down there, it's just a chess match. You know, we were down two to one, but it just felt like we were, you know, it was the game was even. And I mean, it was decisive between two pitches. Um, Trey Turner's home run and Marte's, you know, the changeup that he went oppo is just it was just a chess match back and forth, and, you know, we're fortunate enough to come across this one and just take the split here. So we're pretty pretty fortunate and pretty happy, and uh, it's going to be a happy bus ride to, down to San Diego. J.D., you mentioned professional at-bats. In that eighth inning, you guys took a lot of professional at-bats as a group, and we saw you clapping as you, you run down to first base after hitting yeah. the ball to the opposite side and moving Pete over. Just overall, collectively, how much does that inning kind of show what this team is about? I mean, just like what Uncle Stevie said, man, it, this team's got some grit. Um, and, you know, just that, what I said earlier, you know, it's a chess match. So, you know, like the sinker baller guy throwing 101 miles an hour, I'm not trying to pull that guy. So I'm trying to stay inside it, try to shoot the other way, you know, pass the baton. The same thing we've always been saying, uh, you know, pass the baton to every guy in the lineup. Don't try to be the guy that tries to, you know, throw the haymaker every single time, uh, you know. You know, a jab, 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 and then a haymaker's okay. So, um, you know, just, again, it was just a collective win today all around. I mean, Medina, man, Medina, I was gonna, Medina coming in, man. I was going to ask mean, about Medina. What, what I mean, Turner what kind of a spot? To face Freeman to face Will Smith, man. Oh, man. Uh, I would not want to be on the mound if I was him. But I'm What does that show you, though, about a, a rookie to come in that spot in this series and, and do what he did? Dude, I mean, it's a total confidence builder for him. I mean, just to come in here to a tough environment or a rubber game right here um, and to face, you know, you know, Will, you know, he's only hitting 220, but he hit a home run. But, I mean, I mean, he could be the best hitter in NL. But those two guys right there, Trey Turner and Freeman, I mean, they – their stats and their, you know, career speak for themselves. So Medina coming up huge in that last inning to just able to throw strikes and, you know, do what he does best, man. I, I mean, we're proud, man. We're happy. We're happy. We're happy to get this split and just to be down 0-2 and rattle off two wins. We're great.
It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, June the 5th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can just show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And of course, I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network as well as RisingApple.com. Well, on that note, I've decided to recap this. Well, George, just like, what, 20 minutes past the dramatic ending of the four-game series between the Mets and the Dodgers. Joining me to co-host is our good friend. I think the last time he came on was maybe during the spring. Anthony Rivera, Subway to Shea podcast at Subway to Shea on Twitter. Welcome into the program and... I don't know. I thought I saw Anthony uh, a paper bag that you were blowing into. You were hyperventilating a little <laughs> bit. Uh, you know, I was cool as a cucumber there in the bottom of the tent inning. You, I don't know. I saw you, you know, hyperventilating into the paper bag. So, how you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm very calm now. Um, obviously, it took me a little while to get my setup here because I thought, you know, once you said, "Hey, let's do this," you know, a little later on in the evening, I was like. This game's going to go extras, isn't it? And it, it <laughs> I was right down to the wire about a half hour, mush. half yep. hour before we started doing this. And finally, the game's over. The series over. I think I, I said a tweet like, let's get the F out of, yep. of get L.A. Out. Let's just get out and get what it is over. that? The old Eminem song, Say Goodbye to Hollywood. We should come in and play that, you know? Oh, my goodness. I, yes. I had done a little uh, an OC. I used the OC theme yeah. song on the last one. Maybe we should use some Eminem, say goodbye to Hollywood on this one, you know, or I love or what the Lakers used to play. I love L.A. after every mm-hmm. uh, time. So, yeah. um, but anyway, yes, uh, you know, I'm looking at the uh, the clock and I'm like, you know, as the game's going on, I'm like, this is probably going to go quick as we get to the later innings. Maybe I should contact Anthony and say, let's move it up an hour. I feel bad. The guy's going to be sitting around for a buck 10 hour 10 waiting to do the show. And sure enough, if we did that. The joke would be on us. So. uh you know, here we come, you know, and as I had said before, and I had, you know, led into this road trip that I thought that, you know, yeah, this is a Sunday show, but it's appropriate as the season goes on to play the schedule. But I thought today was an important day to come to everybody, bring you in, you know, get a, a sense of what you're hearing, what you're thinking. You also have a very popular podcast out there. And look, I'll start by saying this. You know, the Mets and Buck Showalter specifically have downplayed this series. And Buck is exactly what a coach or a manager is going to be. I, I compare him to Pat Riley a lot. I know you made a tweet the other day that I got all these NBA sayings, but it's just true. I mean, there's so much in the DNA. Play today. Focus on today. We'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Not get too high. Not get too low. And it works. But let's face it. What we do, there's barometers and check marks and things like that. And the Mets have done pretty well all year. They beat the Giants. They beat the Cardinals. I think the Braves are not as bad, and they've started to play better, and they played pretty well against the Braves. And who knows? You know, the Phillies are on a little winning streak since they fired Girardi. Maybe they're better than their record shows as the year goes on. But this is the best of the best. So coming into this series, although I wasn't ready to say this is an indictment on this Mets team, we do remember a year ago when they basically went out West and their season was throttled. Yeah. They had a chance to come back later in the month of August and September, but they were non-competitive on the West coast. The games were close, but they really weren't competitive. And you saw a little bit of 2021 earlier in the series, but what impressed me is it didn't seem like the same team because they went back out and they wiped off yesterday and you saw the last two games. And look, that was a, a today's game was a perfect example. That was a gut punch. If they had lost, if they had lost today, that's as bad, if not worse, than the San Francisco game a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And here they go out. Not only do they 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 win the ball game, they have an unlikely hero. That's what kind of happens in these seasons. And there's the big difference. I think because they compartmentalized today, uh, they wiped away what really looked like a sleepy 2021 Mets team. The first two games of the series against the back end of the Dodgers rotation. Gonzalez maybe is a little better than that, but. Anderson's a guy who is basically on the scrap heap from Pittsburgh. So um, that's my takeaway is that the Mets showed me something here that it's working. Their mindset's working. The compartmentalizing of each game is working. And that was my takeaway. Not necessarily whether they could beat the Dodgers in a seven-game set because, you know, who the heck knows where they're going to end up as the year goes on. 
Yeah, and you got all the injuries that are happening right now. Uh, DeGrom's out, Scherzer's out, McCann's out, uh, Tyler McGill's out. On the other side, you got Clayton Kershaw. He's out. The whole bunch of pitchers, starting pitchers on that. I think, uh, was it Dustin May? He's also another guy. He's out for the Dodgers. Uh, they pretty much have their lineup in check, but the you know the rotation is is um, kind of doing what the Mets are going through right now. And um, I don't like to make excuses for the Mets, but you know they haven't had a day off. They're flying into L.A. playing the next night right away. I think even Keith Hernandez made point of it uh, on the broadcast. You know, a little flat came out very flat on Thursday, but in reality, you know. Um, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Gonsolin? Gonsolin? No, for, for, for who pitched on Thursday for the Mets? Why am Ty, I drawing Taiwan like, Walker. Taiwan Walker. Walker. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yes. Taiwan Walker kept the Mets in it the whole game. They they lost 2 nothing. Um, you know, game Friday they could have easily won. Game yeah. could easily won. Friday non-competitive, but yeah. it wasn't total blowout. Yeah. But, right. you know, they come back on Saturday. You, you know, right off the bat, you think you lose the first two games. And with your best pitchers on the mound. And now you got David Peterson and Trevor Williams. You know what you're getting from them. And they somehow come away and get the victories with them on the mound. And Buck had to make some big adjustments. This is going to be, this is like adjustment phase. Like we're, we're learning a lot from this team through this series. And I'm th- I think they're learning a lot themselves on how to prepare for the future, they got another series at home now coming up with the Dodgers, and they'll have it with the Padres. So this is a learning experience for them and how they can move forward. Uh, even for Buck, too, Buck made some interesting moves. Obviously, he took Peterson out early. That worked. Um, he brought in Diaz in the eighth inning today, and it, it that worked. But Seth Lugo wasn't on his game, and, you know, that could have went south real quick. But, you know, Adonis Medina... Uh, Thank goodness he he came in and I was nervous for that whole thing, but he he did his thing. I mean, against Turner, against Betts, against actually them. Dave Roberts making that move to you know challenge the whole thing that might have been the biggest mistake of the game because you took the bat out of Trey Turner, so that could have hurt sure. the Dodgers right there. Yeah, you know it's Medina is actually a guy, and this is where with the Mets injuries, I said. The Mets in the bullpen can maybe withstand, and they lost May, and you don't know about the health of Lugo and and what have you, and Adovino and what have you. But they could actually withstand a little bit of that because Colin Holderbin's been a revelation. Uh, Medina's a guy who's been interesting to me since he got brought up. Remember, he was a top five prospect in the Philly system. I mean, I know he was with Pittsburgh, and they got him off the scrap heap, and he and, and he's a converted starter. But these are the kind of guys that for years you'd see other teams like the Dodgers pick up. Uh, Jake Reed is an interesting. Steven Nagosik, another scoreless inning, a guy that they got him in the Addison Reed trade, let him go. He came back. So you're seeing a little bit of the Mets depth play out over there. And I think what you see in this series is kind of a, a synopsis, even though you don't have the key players of how these teams are. I said a couple of weeks, well, it was about a week ago, maybe a little more than a week ago, when the Mets lost that 13-12 game in San Francisco, it was a synopsis of what could go wrong and good going forward. They had to play the bullpen differently because they don't have Scherzer. They don't have DeGrom. Um, The offense perked up. They had to score a lot more in order to win, but they needed more outs from their bullpen. Here, you're seeing a situation where they're getting big outs from their bullpen more than they probably want to but they're getting it from unlikely sources. So as you know, when you talk about getting to know, I usually take the first third of the season and say, hey, it's the getting to know phase of these teams. Now it's like, what does this team need? Which is also kind of a learning thing. And we've heard about, do they need a bat? Do they need a bullpen arm? Do they need another starter? Well, J.D. Davis is the guy that's on the clock. Now that Dom Smith is in the minor leagues, J.D. Davis is on the clock and he gets a big hit. And you know what? I, I, the real question is outside of Diaz, we all love Lugo, but Lugo has not been the same since 2019. And I don't question Buck going to him in the ninth. I actually think mm-hmm. it was a very progressive for a guy that all the analytics fans, oh, how can they hire Buck Schulter? That was an analytics move. Using Diaz for the best three hitters in the eighth, he didn't want to push in the second inning. Maybe if this was September, so look, if it was the postseason, it probably would have. But he went, what, about 15 pitches, I think, in the eighth I, inning? I, I think that's the part that gets a little, you know, 
why not in this part? It's only 15. If it was like 25, 30 pitches, you know, don't send them out again. 15 pitches. I think that at least you have Lugo warming up. If, you know, this guy starts getting a little shaky in Diaz, you can switch them out in the ninth. But I, I kind of felt that maybe they would at least try to see, you know, especially in this huge series, you want, you know, the best guy on the mound. And and Diaz was that he one, two, three inning against the big three. And then you have him come in against the others. But I, I do. I, people are upset about, you know, how Buck did this. But then Buck comes on in the press conference and says, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, tomorrow. Uh, the Mets are not off. They got to play the Padres. So they're going to need Diaz. You don't want him. What happens now if, let's say, you know, Diaz blows the game and now you don't have him because you used him for two innings. That's these things that Buck is always thinking about that I don't think, you know, uh, Luis Rojas thought of last year. You know, we would get Aaron Luke would come in. Maybe he'd throw one pitch, two pitches and get a big out. And then he's done for the game. And now we have no lefty in the bullpen. Uh, you'll see Joely Rodriguez now. He'll come in, get one out on one pitch, and he's right back out there again for the next inning. I, I kind of like this way that they're using the bullpen, trying to push these guys. They need yep. to be pushed. I, I, it's the old days sometimes need to come back because getting rid of these pitchers it, after 10 pitches, uh, it just doesn't work that for You me. can do a- Anthony, you can't do it when your starters are not really going more than twice around the order. Yep. Even with the 14-man staff, the days of you have your seventh inning guy, your eighth inning guy, your ninth inning guy, those were during the times where your starters went six plus innings. Mm-hmm. Most of the time now, I mean, look, most of the Mets starters, even DeGrom and Scherzer, are not always going to get into the seventh inning. So you're asking for at least nine outs, maybe 11 outs uh, on days maybe when Walker's is starting, certainly yeah. when Trevor Williams or Peterson is starting. That's a lot of outs. And one of the stats that came up a couple of weeks ago was how the pitchers in the bullpen was so appreciative how Buck didn't have to use them back-to-back a lot. It was very few times. That's changing a lot. Looks like Adovino's becoming kind of that workhorse guy that he'll go two or three days in a row. He's being a little bit more cautious with Diaz. The thing about Diaz, and this is where I don't know where the up and down, and I think you're right, he's playing for tomorrow as well. He's got a game tomorrow. They don't have a day off till Thursday. Once Diaz hits 20 pitches, and watch this the next time you add there, and that when I say 20 pitches, that's within an inning. I'm not saying the up and the down. That that changes it. Once you go down and rewarm up, there's a certain restart. But in an inning where he hits 20 pitches, I notice the command goes south, and that's when you have problems. Watch it. I've always seen, and I've watched this guy now almost four years, so I've seen plenty of laborious 22, 25. I don't think you want him to get much past 30 in an inning. That means there's bad. Usually it won't get to that because that means he's blue to save at that point. But maybe that played into it. Lugo, I don't know. He's got a couple of two-inning stints. Maybe uh, that's workload. The one thing I think while we're in the next four to six weeks, what we really have to uh, this, this ascertain from here is, one, is J.D. Davis the answer at DH? And two, do they need another arm in the bullpen? Because quite honestly, unless Scherzer and DeGrom are persona non grata out past the all-star break. I do not see how the Mets are going to use their resources because it's going to cost a lot to get a Frankie Montas or a Tyler Male. Uh, they're not coming cheap. Well, the Reds are just going to hand. Oh, sure. Here, hand them over. But I do think the Mets have the assets of the resources and it might not be as painful to get themselves. Maybe what the White Sox did and got Craig Kimbrell, who could be their second closer. And then the question is, do they go after a Nelson Cruz or a Josh Bell or do the Red Sox fall out of it and want to give up J.D. Martinez or do they go to get a big bat for the D.H. spot because J.D. Davis can't, you know, hack it there. To me, over the next six weeks, those are the questions I have. And you saw you always want to improve. You don't want to go into a postseason series and rely on a Donuts Medina right now uh, in big outs. Um, but we need to see. What does this team need? We have another six or seven weeks to figure it out. But today, two of the biggest things I think they may need, which is another bullpen arm and possibly a bat, uh, guys that are on the roster came up on the affirmative on that. Yeah, you always should be ready to improve no matter how well someone's playing. If a J.D. Martinez is out there, you got to go after him at, at some point if he's available. Whether J.D. Davis is playing well or not, 
that's a, a huge improvement. He's playoff ready. He's done it in the past. That's a guy that a veteran. Um, I think he's on a last year of his contract. If I'm for certain, I, I'm not too sure of that, but like, I don't know if he'll cost as much. Uh, maybe you could get a pitcher out of Boston as well. Um, but he's one guy you mentioned Josh Bell from that's from the nationals. And, and I think that that would be a, a he, he's been destroying the Mets anytime he plays them to somehow get him off that team. And his bat is uh, very good as well. But I, I do think that because now the Mets have somehow made this commitment to JD Davis, right? Because it was Dom Smith, JD Davis, and they were going to have to split time. That's not working out. So they're either going to have to commit to one or the other. And they committed to JD Davis. And now we're seeing him hit a whole lot more than he was before he got all that time. So this may be, we may be getting the JD Davis of 2019, but if you can improve the team, I would totally do that. And the Mets are probably going to need bullpen help for sure. Um, even with them not making as many moves in the off season for the bullpen and just bringing Adovino in and, and bringing in um, uh, Shreve and, and they've kind of worked, but really I think maybe Joely Rodriguez has worked the most out of all of them. And then you got all the young guys coming up, Holderman and Nugasek and uh, Medina, Yoan Lopez. Uh, they, they got pieces and those pieces may possibly be traded at some point for something even bigger. So, you know, put them out there, let them play, let them earn their playing time. And I, I think, uh, I think everything will work out in the end. Um, and, and Billy Epler, they're all going to work hard to make sure they get the right moves. It, we heard from Steve Cohen already. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. Um, and I, I truly believe that. And I think the other thing when you talk about as we watch this team, now they played the best of the best and they played them head to head compromise. No DeGrom, no Scherzer. Their offense, I mean, they had Lindor out one day and, and I, I understand they don't have uh, Muncie and they don't have Kershaw, but look, they had Urias, they had Bueller, they had, they had their guys. Um, but the guy that I think makes all this interesting when we talk about getting out of the bat and really plays it to J.D. Davis is Luis Guillerme. Because I don't expect the guy to have a 900 OPS and to lead the league in batting average. I don't think so. But I've always liked him. I've liked his bat contact skills from day one. He's always been great defensively. Guy that walks more than he strikes out. Something that never happened. Something that was much more commonplace in the 80s. And when you have him in the lineup at second base, and then you could put McNeil at DH or left field or maybe even move Mark Canna to DH or maybe rotate. I mean, I don't think it's, it's written in stone that Canna uh needs to play every day i think mcneil that's against lefties maybe like today you'll sit him but for the most part he'll play every day is that the better lineup because i'm an up the middle defense guy and when you have guillerme and i love mcneil up the middle but guillerme is the next level of mcneil uh you have lindor nimmo's playing a great center field uh when mccann's in he's great catch and throw look even nito's pretty good catch and throw and look met second baseman and i think it was talked about today on the broadcast by gary cohen you almost have to be a rover in softball because the, the outfielders are playing so deep i mean mcneil saved the game in arizona by basically being a rover out in center field you sword this uh today with Hirame. so you need the defense at second you need somebody that could go back on a ball and i wonder Putting aside, uh, you know, the enticing nature of going out and getting a big bat like a J.D. Martinez, there's the chemistry factor. And then it's like you kind of like the other side of the ball. What I like about the Mets, and I said this on Thursday before the road trip started on the last show, is the sum is maybe greater than its parts. It's truly an old school team. And I don't want to overestimate that because in the winter, and I'm sure you do it over at somebody's Shea, we sit, we look at OPS, and we look at analytics, and we try to build a stratomatic or a fantasy baseball team. But when it's all said and done, that's not how you could build a team, even if you have a $300 million payroll. Guys need to fit into different spots. You need good guys into the lineup. And there is a certain chemistry. And the chemistry, like Buck has said, is that covenant that these guys come every day and put the work in to maximize whatever the role that they're in. It's not necessarily just talking baseball at the bar. And if you have that, you say to yourself, is there a way to procure this with what they have? Because... It's special, and you don't know how somebody coming in will fit in. And how many times have big trades at the deadline 
The guy comes in and takes him four weeks to figure out how to get adjusted. To a certain degree, it happened with Baez last year. It took him a couple of weeks to get adjusted. They're picking up their lives. They're getting thrown into a pennant race. They're probably playing for a losing team. And now it's like, okay, now they need a, a, a learning curve. Well, you don't have it in August. You need to go time now. So it'll be interesting if that, because if they factor that in to whatever situation they have at the deadline. And we're going to, and this is why series like this are important because we get to see, I think we know who the Mets are. I don't think the Mets are going to change anymore. Um, maybe this was kind of the end of the getting to know you phase, even though I kind of anointed it over going into this. But I think now it's what what do they need? And does the group is the group that they have now with the reinforcements of the players that potentially they could get into Grom and Scherzer? Is it good enough? And right now that may be. I mean, I know I hate to look at too far ahead. It may be, Anthony. Am I overstating that based on this uh, split of this series? No, it, it's it's quite possible that they have the pieces that they need to continue this uh, good play that they're doing. You know, a lot of it, too, is is the little minuscule things from Buck and from a guy like Joey Cora, who's very aggressive and, and is going to get those runs in the way he has, the way that, you know, Gary DeSarcina just couldn't do and couldn't get the Mets to score. Um, but I do think... You know, obviously the trades are like a, a dime a dozen. You're going to get either the positive or the negative out of them. And it, it's like that in any sport, right? You know, but you can make a big trade, but it might not work out. It, 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 but I think what's important is that the, the ownership and the front office show that this team wants to improve no matter what. Yeah, the team could be good right now, but you don't want those players getting complacent. You want them to know that, you know, the ownership and the front office has their backs and that they'll look to improve the team. Look at what happened last year. Uh, we got Javi Baez, but the Mets needed a whole lot more than that. And they kind of stood ground. And I, I think that kind of they, I think that kind of messed with the players heads a little bit um, going into the second half. They didn't they, they lost a Grom. They they didn't get a pitcher. And, and you had, you know, Trevor Williams pitching so much. You had a lot of bullpen games. You're not getting that this year. You're, you're getting these pitchers pitching. You got depth in the bullpen. The young kids are are hungry. Um, Pete's playing on another level right now. Um, kind of reminds no. me Piazza esque of the way he's hitting. Uh, Very much field. so. I, um, I I could not say enough. I mean, when you look at him, how he with two strikes is. One thing about Mike Piazza that people forget, everybody remembers the long home runs and the, uh, you know, 9-11. But Mike Piazza was as likely to dunk and dink singles all over the yard as he was to hit an exit velocity of 150-mile-an-hour home run. I just, Look, I was at games, I saw them, but I saw a lot of dinks and dunks. This is a guy who's a catcher at 360, almost won the triple crown. Not easy to do. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's very much – he has a lot of that Piazza in him, even though people talk about Alvarez down in the minor leagues because he's a catcher. Pete is mimicking a lot of what you see with Piazza. Not quite on the batting average at that level, but maybe an older Piazza who was more of a 290, 300 hitter. You know, the Piazza that got north of 30 and what have you. Great point over there. Yeah, and then you got, look at what Lindor has been doing. Um, Making me look bad. Making me look bad. I thought Lindor was an enhanced Omar Vizcal with some power, good defense. You know, I always went, you know, the whole don't get married before a date. And, uh, you know, give the guy credit. He has embraced New York and got comfortable in New York. Similar to how Beltron in 06 uh, yeah. embraced New York. The the one guy I want to see a little more for, from, and, and I wrote this on an article for Rising Apple, uh, Eduardo Escobar, I just want to see a little bit more offensively, especially the stats that I've seen him over his career. I, I feel like he's a lot better than what he's shown us. It, but offensively, you're seeing, defensively. You're seeing it come out. See, I was one of the questions I had after the Nat series was, okay, you got the big hit off of Knebel. But then you had the big game against the Nats. Is he a pile-on offensive player? You know the kind of offensive player that, you know, um, adds a set eighth run to a 7-1 game, something like that. But you saw it today. You saw it in Knebel. He held back, got a big hit to win the game in extra innings a week ago. Today against a tough pitcher. That's a tough guy, uh, the Dodgers had and always pronounce his name was Grant Granderall. How do I pronounce his name? Grant Grant Gratterall Gratterall. I always pronounce his name. And then everybody gets on my case on Twitter because I don't pronounce these names are hard sometimes. 
but he he fought a three two pitch, fought off a couple of pitches, and he almost hit the ball out, and and he hung back on that one, almost hit the ball out. So you're starting to see some of the professionalism with Escobar. He came as a streak hitter, as advertised. We've seen that. And look, at the end of the day, that's your number seven hitter. That's a pretty good number seven hitter. And he's better than Jonathan VR. I mean, that's the thing. I think when you come in to see these guys, I liked VR and PR, and they were nice pieces. But, you know, Canna and, and Marte and Escobar, these are next level. And, and, and again, as you come into this series, I know that Buck is going to say, hey, that's a good team. Move on to the next. What you saw is the Mets can play with the best that the Dodgers have out there. And the Mets don't even have their full roster at, 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 at play yet here. Um, and, and, and that to me is, is why this was exciting because if even if they had lost today, I think my message would have been the game is a synopsis of how a series is going to come down. Look, the Mets won a lot of close games at the Cardinals. Those games could have went either way. They played close games at the Dodgers. I think when you look at the national league, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, we haven't seen the Brewers yet. Um, we see San Diego tomorrow. When you look at how they play out, you look at their line scores. I think the National League playoffs is going to be really good because you're going to have a lot of games that can be tight. That's why this whole bullpen thing and figuring it out is important. Because if the Mets need another arm, if Lugo is not the high leverage answer, and Adovino, who could be shaky at times, is not the answer. And honestly, I'm not feeling good about Trevor May coming back from a shoulder issue. And Colin Holderman and Medina are interesting arms, but who knows? That's probably... That's probably where this team needs to go. And is that high leverage arm available? Is it what's it going to cost them? I'll throw something at you that Salicato had on Baseball Night in New York. And I don't know if you saw this, but he proposed Jake Diekman and Cal, uh, JD Martinez for Ronnie Mauricio and Calvin Ziegler. Now, Calvin Ziegler is the first professional year, getting a lot of attention down in St. Lucie, pitching prospect. I think that the uh, the prospect huggers will have a conniption like they have for Simeon Woods Richardson when they got Stroman deal. That's interesting because Mauricio's pretty much blocked. Let's face it. Uh, Ziegler's very, very young. He's 19. Now you're giving up basically two really top, you know, 15 prospects for J.D. Martinez, who's a free agent. But the Mets could sign people if they want to. J.D. Martinez will lengthen that lineup quite a bit. Diekman is a lefty. I'm not quite sure the Mets need him. I might try to do better from the Red Sox out of their bullpen. I'd have to go through their bullpen. But what about that? That's that's the kind of deal. Like if the Mets are going to improve themselves in a significant way, that's the kind of pain they're going to have to give up. That's not the worst kind of pain. It's not Francisco Alvarez. But you're not going to get somebody uh, somebody's piece, an impactful piece for nothing. I'm sorry. I mean, and I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any uh, question about it. That's why it's so important to see what the next six weeks brings. What does this team need and how do they stack up against the best of the best, like the Dodgers? Yeah. I stopped being a prospect hugger after the last things millages and the JD Martinez is <laughs> you learned early. Uh, you yeah. learned early. Yeah. Uh, well, not JD Martinez. What was his name? Uh, Fernando Martinez. Fernando the, Martinez. Well, yeah. Yes. When we, we like didn't want to trade him and Pelfrey for, I think it was Manny Ramirez for that. Oh, the lasting like, millage was in that deal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. once we, those guys were, you know, beyond, I, I, I can't connect myself to prospects. I mean, look at right now um, out in Seattle. Uh, what's his name is not playing well either. Well, we got a D- JD. Uh, well, we got a Edwin Diaz for. Yeah, he's not doing mm-hmm. it well in Kelnick. Seattle. Kelnick. Yeah, yep. he's sent, so sent I, down. I sure. can't be hugging these guys. The only one that I'm keeping right now is um, Francisco Alvarez. And I don't know if you follow Ernest Dove, who's kind of following the minor leaguers. And someone asked him, you know, what do you think of the minor league system since you're seeing these guys come through? Like, how many of these guys do you really think are going to be, you know, MLB level players? He really doesn't know, but he for certain says that Francisco Alvarez is that guy. He didn't mention anybody else. And, and we have the Vientoses of the world and the Mauricios of the world. And even Brett Beatty. Absolutely. I didn't even hear about Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty, uh, some say could be like a Conforto. The one thing I will say about Alvarez, and I know we're kind of going off on a tangent, but it's important. I need to see him catch and throw here. I think it's one of the things the Mets miss um, is McCann behind the plate. Oh, yeah. I really do. And yeah. I wonder the difference that McCann makes because he's such a thinking man's catcher. 
And I go back to that game in Philadelphia earlier this year when Diaz slidered them to death. And essentially it was McCann that said, hey, let's keep this thing going. He's, he's good at reading bat uh, paths. Um, I'm not saying that's why Seth Lugo lost the game, uh, blew the lead today. I'm not saying anything against Nito. I know Mazika struggled quite a bit, especially with Chris Bassett, but I don't think he's been horrible behind the plate. But calling a game, being that captain behind the plate, look, I don't care if McCann ever hits. This lineup has enough offense where I know that he came advertised as a guy who could hit 20 home runs and he finally had figured it out. But in the end, uh, it's about not just catch and throw in terms of runners out of second base. It's calling the game. And I think that that's going to be a big, the Mets, the Mets have a number of big additions crossing fingers, no more health injuries. And I'm, I'm violating my own credo by saying you have to play as if they're not there and never going to be here. And they are, but the reality is if they're really going to compete at a at the at a high level, when it's all said and done, they're going to need these guys. I mean, you look at the Dodgers and Anthony, let's look at what we saw this weekend from the Dodgers. I think that's important. Um, team that doesn't chase i mean the I'm surprised will smith chased that that medina strikeout because that was a ball he, he committed he he wanted to protect the plate he committed to that but that was the kind of pitch that you wouldn't expect the dodgers to swing at because that was mm-hmm. nowhere close to being a strike when they do swing they make a lot of contact and hit the ball hard they've got an outstanding rotation when, when gonzalez uh walking into the upper echelon with urias and bueller and you don't have any clayton kershaw i mean i know bueller's struggling there's no soft spot when you face them in a five or seven game set, there's no soft spot. What is it? Three? Well, it's actually three now in the first round. So it's about three or seven, whatever. I'm yeah, but I don't do you, think they would play them know, that early. Do you know? Do you, do you even know the rules? I still don't know the rules. Everything's yeah, changed. I, I think it, it, let's say we continue on this projection of both of these teams playing at the pace that they're playing. I think that they would have to be meeting in a championship series. I right. think they would be on opposite ends of that, you know, number one, number two, and, and they would uh, face each other at the end. I don't see them facing each other early. That would be wild though. And it is going to come down to, I think, and I think you, the synopsis of today's game, in my opinion, and I'll go back to the same thing. I use the San Francisco 13, 12 loss as a synopsis of where the Mets could be headed in the coming weeks is that games are going to be decided by the bullpen. I mean, Scherzer's not going nine. DeGrom is not going nine. Bassett's not going nine. So you are going to need six to nine outs to get through these games. And we feel good. you got to feel good about Edwin Diaz. Um, the question is, and do they feel good about Kimbrell? I personally wouldn't, but, you know, he, gave, he got through clean. See, I think Kimbrell's kerosene on the fire. I think Kenley Jansen was a far better, although he's struggling oh, yeah. in, uh, in Atlanta. I, I was ne- I've never been a Kimbrell fan. Never been a Kimball fan, but I look up and down. They got Evan Phillips. I think Daniel Hudson's a good uh, arm out of that bullpen. I look at, you know, Vessia struggles a little bit. Um, I look at it very similar. Both these teams, who knows? They may actually be competing for extra bullpen arms as we get down to the deadline. They're very, very similar. I think the Dodgers are a little bit better because I think the back half of their rotation in a series is better than the Mets back half. Even though Walker and Carrasco could probably pitch with a um, uh, a Gonzalez, if that's your third starter or fourth starter, I mean, maybe not. Um, we know Scherzer and Degrom, in theory, Degrom. I hate to put Degrom in as Degrom old because you really don't know. It's been almost a year since we've seen him, but they're very similar. I think all these games would come down to bullpen, and that's why I think this is really interesting. You know, maybe it's right there. Maybe Holderman's the guy. I mean, think he got Mookie Betts out yesterday. That was a big out. I mean, he's not in higher leverage situations yet, but I think you have to start thinking about, especially after you saw Lugo. And I think if Coulterman had not pitched yesterday, I think he would have been in the, in the tent today. Um, that's my opinion. If he had not pitched yesterday, so um, yeah, you got to look at these um, these bullpen pieces, these young kids. They may be important pieces into October. Look at what um, Adam Wainwright did. Uh, nobody knew who he was, and then 2006, he that was the coming out party for him, and and yep. he he's become you know one of the best pitchers in uh, baseball for such a long time. So these guys are going to become important. And I'm going to say right now, don't expect a uh, Max Scherzer or even a Jacob deGrom to go more than six innings, probably until the playoffs, if then they even push them that much. We're going to get a lot of bullpen games. That bullpen is going to be working this rest of the season because Scherzer is not going to be pitching – 
you know, complete game shutouts. I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to be very cautious with uh, Jacob DeGrom every single game. So he, he, I don't see him pitching any longer than, you know, five or six innings a game. Look at, look at how they dealt with him in the beginning of last season. Some of the games I got frustrated that they took him out with the least amount of pitches. Sure. So, sure. um, and, and he seemed to be, uh, I, I don't want to put this on Jake because I, I'm a huge Jacob DeGrom fan. Uh, one of my favorite players, but he doesn't have that. You're not taking me out. I think. Oh, he's not sure. You can see there's one thing about DeGrom versus Scherzer and Bassett. Bassett and Scherzer are type A personalities, and there's nothing against DeGrom. I think DeGrom is more cerebral, mm-hmm. more into you know the thought and the thinking yeah. and the execution, and, and that's who he is. Scherzer and, and Bassett bring spit and vinegar that they didn't have before. And and look, I've seen DeGrom pitch a big postseason game, probably the – and bringing up the Dodgers, what he did in game five in 2015, you know, that's legendary. I mean, not game one, everybody talks about it. It's game five, how he hung Mm -hmm. in there to get that to Noah Syndergaard to come out of the bullpen and give the Mets basically the, the nine outs that they needed from the right guys or else they would, you know, potentially have to, you know, restructure or shuffle around and, and, and who knows what happens in that game and what happens in 2015 if he doesn't work his way through and nearly get the doors blown off of him. But uh, I agree with you on that. So, you know, when we look, you know, Mets feel they're as good as the Dodgers. Uh, I think the Mets certainly show the Dodgers that uh, they're not a pushover. I'm curious. We'll never know the truth. Even I think, I think listening to them after the game, they wanted to use this series as a measuring stick, even though Buck said it wasn't. And I feel like the Dodgers, I mean, look, they were coming off the sweep of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, all the odds or the regressions of the mean were that they were going to win a couple of games. But today, especially when they tied the game, I think the Dodgers were taking a little bit of uh, they were taking this pretty seriously, too, to measure themselves as well. I think anyway, just from from observing it from afar. Yeah, I feel like after losing the first two games, they come back and the offense has a big game in the third game on uh, Saturday. And it's like, hey, you know, take us seriously, too. You know, we're, you know, we're not out of this and we're just as good as the Dodgers. But then today was the reality check of, oh, yeah, the Dodgers are for real, you know, and, and you know, we're going to have to play just as hard just to keep up. Like it, it, it's not, you know, one A, one B and, and you know, we're going to be better than them. It's like we're going to have to work for this. Yeah, I mean, they have an historically good run differential. Now, I'm going to ask you this. I'm curious because I'm a traditionalist and I haven't been a big Ghost Runner fan. I haven't. It's not. Now, I don't want it in the postseason. Oh, I no. Want I don't want it in the postseason. And it's not going to be in the postseason. But I got to tell you, it actually does add a component to the game that maybe I need to loosen up a little bit. I mean, think about the excitement in this 10th inning where the Mets probably don't score if uh, there's no ghost runner. And then it's Medina, and let's see how long he can go. He probably goes one inning, two innings, three innings, and then, you know, maybe it's, you know, a walk-off home run or whatever it is. But I think it adds some excitement. Certainly, look, you and I might not be on the air yet if there was no ghost runner. They might still be going. I might be sending you notes. Hey, Anthony, this is going to get me a late night, you know, what have you. Are you warming up to it in regular season? Are you ready to see it stay? I still think maybe they give the 10th inning one shot to have real baseball, but I have a feeling it's it's here to stay. I think that this is something that, isn't going anywhere and I'm starting to warm up to it. And of all the things I actually tolerate it more than the three batter rule. The three batter rule bothers me because I think that that organically can work itself out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I actually am okay with the ghost runner. I'm starting to be okay with it. What about you? Yeah. The Mets, I think are five and oh with this uh, extra inning ghost runner rule this season. I thought they, I thought I saw that stat on the screen uh, right as the Medina was closing it out that they're five and oh in you know, extra inning games with this ghost uh, runner stuff. I think I'm starting as well to um, be okay with it only in the regular season. We can't mess with that in the, that, like that's too much. It's too wild, too crazy. 
Um, it, it reminds me of uh, in hockey, the shootouts that they have the, the shootouts yep. in um, in the regular season. But once the postseason comes, you're going to be going into extra innings uh, that they would do the extra periods and it, it, it'll go forever. Look, we're never not going to be stressed. I think I put that on Twitter today. We are that's never not, not that's going not the to way the baseball season is. Mets fans want a, a yellow brick road just because the Steve Cohn owns the team. Every Yankee championship in the late 90s, they had stressful moments. Yeah, they were they were down in 98 to Cleveland. They were um, in 96. They were down to the Braves. You know, 99, it was, you know, rather easy when they got to the postseason. But even in 2000, they, they played poorly down the stretch. 2001, they nearly were choked out by Oakland. There's always stressful moments. Like this idea that the Mets, oh, it's the Mets. You're not going to have the perfect season. Even 2006. Yeah. It was stressful moments before they got to the Cardinals series. So, yeah, I think know. when we all come to terms with the fact that there's never not going to be stress, as long as all we right. come out on the winning end of that stress, I think we can deal with that. And and I think I'm okay with the ghost runner. And like I said, during the regular season is fine. I was okay with the seven inning double headers. Uh, I thought that uh, that was fine to me as was, well. I mean, it was it made for a quicker baseball and it saved bullpen arms. I think now you're compromising the game. I don't think they're going to go back to that. Let me throw you another thing that I'm starting to think about as I'm watching these games. Could we stop messing with the baseball? Cause it looks like the baseball's back to normal. Uh, Will Smith's home run. Uh, you know, that looked to me like that was a fly ball. <laughs> I don't know about you, Anthony. I'm like, that went out. Well, I, I thought Eduardo Escobar hit the home run. And then it, that died. I understand that, that one died. died. Yeah. And I, how much can you mess with the ball? And then you got stadiums like Yankee Stadium, which is a bandbox, which yeah. like about five home runs there would not be home runs elsewhere. I mean, there's, they're trying to do too much. Like the game will work itself out. It's interesting. We all want to legislate chips and the game, but if the Mets are an example, if, if hitters are having trouble producing, they're going to adapt and adjust. Look at the Mets. Look at Mark Canna. Goes the other way. Look at Jeff McNeil. Goes the other way. Look at Pete Alonso. As Alonso, he's developed. That's called hitting. That's the game of baseball. That doesn't mean you don't do launch angle baseball. Look at Escobar on Saturday night. That was a launch angle home run. Look at Pete. He's hit a couple of them against the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. You can hit long home runs. You have to recognize the score, the pitch, the situation. J.D. Davis moving the runner over in the eighth inning, not trying to launch a lunge and launch a home run Um, a lot. I really honestly believe the game organically fixes itself over the years. I really do. And if you look at baseball in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, steroids, post steroids, wasn't too long ago, 2013, 2014, where home runs were down and everybody was saying, you know, well, the home runs are down because the steroids are gone. And guys like Justin Upton with the big power hitters out there and they were getting paid. And it was like, well, now you can't expect to have six power hitters in the lineup. You can only have one or two. Well, maybe it was that's real baseball. So stop screwing with the baseball. I, I, I was starting to get worried because you were starting to see a lot of talk about there's got to be ways to increase offense. The game looks normal to me. It was bad. We had historically bad football weather on the, in the Northeast what, for about six weeks. It was mm-hmm. almost a Memorial Day. It was garbage weather. Could somebody maybe pay attention and say, hey, it's an anomaly? You know, well, so. well, people are complaining about the baseball, but then and, and run scoring. But look at what the Dodgers are doing. So what is it? Why does it work for them? Five and a half runs a game. Yeah. yeah. Why is it work for them and not for other? You know, it, it, there's only so much you could do. You got the spider tech that people were complaining about. They're trying to change everything around. And um, I, I just like what this what we've seen from this offense. Uh not relying on the home run like they've done since what was it 2016 2015 and they're averaging five runs a game when, yeah. before the season i went to baseball musings and i put the average season of all the mets players in the lineup and i actually had canoen as the dh at that time and it said they were a team that should average 5.2 5.3 right now they're at 5.11 and that's yeah. what the two games against the dodgers where they they, they did score spit for two for two for two days so there, you know, if you believe in these run creation calculators, I don't know how they figured out. And that's average season, a Cano average season of the DH, which, all right, you have Dom Smith and J.D. Davis and you rotate everybody else. 
you should be able to get 15 homers and 60 RBIs, 270 batting average out of that combination, I would think. So, you know, if the Mets are going to score five runs a game and they do the right thing and they get their pitchers who seem to have injuries, including McGill, that are not, if treated properly, are not going to prevent them from coming back this year, then really coming away from this series, Mets need arms in the bullpen. And maybe they have some of the young arms. Maybe they need to start looking at the leverage of what they have, you know. And I like Lugo, but he's no sure thing anymore. No, he's no sure thing. Uh, May is not a sure thing. Adovino is not a May, sure I'm thing. May, I'm not really feeling good. Adovino's a, a sixth inning guy. I like Adovino in the sixth inning. Yeah. I don't like Adovino as much in the eighth. Maybe inning. Drew Smith takes the next step. Uh, um, the command, I'm still worried about the command on Drew Smith. He goes yeah. into those spouts. The one thing I think, if you're going to beat a team like the Dodgers, you can't walk guys. No. And the Mets starters actually did a pretty good job. I think Bassett walked a couple. Mets starters this series did a pretty good job forcing them to swing the bat. So when yeah. the bullpen comes in, that's when you got to worry a little bit. Yeah, and outside of that first inning for Williams today, he was uh, he, he did just what the Mets needed. Right. Just what and they I, needed. And I'm going to say something here. Now, uh, you know, McGill comes back. So you've got Bassett, Walker, Carrasco, McGill. Okay, so you're waiting for Scherzer and you're waiting for DeGrom, waiting for those guys to come back. And then you have a real debate is what you're going to do with McGill at that point. But I think Trevor Williams should start over David Peterson because I have not liked – I've never been a – I like David Peterson the pandemic season because I like this moxie. But since then, I feel like what I've seen, especially the last two starts, is he doesn't get ahead of guys. So that, that wicked slider, he never gets into a position where you have to swing at that slider. I think I saw a stat today where like they miss it 55% of the time or something like that. Well, that's great, but I don't have to swing at it if I'm ahead too, too well and too often. I also feel he doesn't command his pitches consistently, which reads of a fifth starter or a 5-4-A guy back and forth. Trevor Williams, what I like about him is he's nothing sexy. You probably can't get through the third time of the order with him, but he throws strikes. Guys make contact, and he can make big pitches. And I think there's enough movement where he can make big pitches and keep guys honest. Now, you don't want to get him into the sixth or seventh inning, but it seems like that's the guy until Scherzer or DeGrom comes back, and then they'll re- one of them will replace Williams, and then the other one will have to they'll figure out what you're going to do with McGill. And, you know, hopefully the baseball gods are listening that no one else gets hurt. I would give Trevor Williams a spot, the, the starts going forward when McGill comes back, not Peterson. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I also recently wrote about Peterson about how he's proven. Uh, well, he definitely proved me wrong, and then now he he's making me look bad over the last two starts. Ever since I wrote that article on him, so I, I don't. But here's know. the thing, Anthony: people come up to me and say, "Oh, you were wrong, Mike." I want to be wrong. You know what? Oh, yeah. I want to be. I want to be wrong about Dom Smith. Oh, you, you didn't like Carlos Carrasco. Well, guess what? Yeah, I hadn't had a good year since 2018. That was a long time ago. I am the happiest guy in the world that I'm wrong. I want to be wrong about every pessimistic proclamation I've made ever. Cause guess what? Yep. If I'm wrong, then that means the Mets are doing well. And look, um, I think to wrap up here. And again, this was a lot of fun doing this. We got to do this again. Um, I think it's a lot of hogwash that this is not as important series. I think you and I both know everybody's saying the right things and Buck is here, you know, play today, whatever. But even listening to J.D. Davis, I was listening to a couple of J.D. Davis clips. These guys are pumped, and they mm-hmm. wanted to see how they were against the best. And without their two best starters, without Lindor for one game, you know, kind of working off some of the uh, the bullpen, not exactly aligned the way they want, they split after uh, losing the first two. Uh, you've got to feel really good about this road trip. I said I'd sign for five and five, which means they lose one of the next two series. I hope the Angels heat up. And Trout heats up before because what Trout is like zero for twenty six and yeah that, oh, they lost eleven in a row they've lost eleven in a row they win a couple of games today. win a couple of games yeah. before and it looks like they may see Noah Syndergaard next weekend yeah I think it was Sunday they said he might be a pitcher and I will tell and that's Sunday night baseball and I will tell you and I've said this the Syndergaard that I see the numbers that I see the lower strikeout rate I'm not sure that's a Syndergaard that can be successful I always said the same thing with Harvey. Once Samson lost their hair, for lack of a better word, the old Greek mythology, those guys lose their fastball. They're not contact pitchers. 
And it, you're seeing that with Syndergaard getting blasted at Yankee Stadium. I don't think I don't think they'll see Otani. Will they see Otani? Do you have the uh, lineup? I don't think they'll see Otani as a hitter. A, yeah, he'll he'll hit, but I don't know if he's pitching. But I, I so. think the Mets want to see. I, I think the the more enticing matchup is with Syndergaard. And if if from what we've seen of Syndergaard when he was a Met, this offense, I think, is going to give him so much trouble. This is a good listen. The offense was frustrating early in the year. This is a good offense. This is an offense that they work Urias to get him out of the game. They're they're not over swinging. Um, I mean, they're averaging five points. I know they played mm-hmm. the Nats quite a bit and the Phillies and whatnot, but you know what? I, I still think you got to play. You had to play. Does anyone penalize yeah. the Dodgers because they played the Diamondbacks and the Rockies? No, Buck says that all the time. Like no one's going to feel bad for us. And, right. and I think that with this Mets offense, it's definitely the best offense that I've seen since 2006. I'm not going to include 2015 because that was that a wasn't a good off- offense. But that they wasn't had to get a good Kelly offense. Johnson or Rebay. Nah, and, that um, wasn't a good o- that. Yeah, that Cespedes. was a team. The thing about this team, I think the best blueprint for this team is good six to seven innings out of their starters. Get into the seventh inning. Try to limit the bullpen to about six to seven, maybe eight outs max. Get your five runs, you can win. But the I think the the one thing where these thunderbolts, these uh, injuries that come up that nobody ever wants to sign up for, it allows you to be. I call them a chameleon team. Where now they have to win a different way. And if you go through a season and you have to be this chameleon that has to win more on bats and bullpen versus strong starting pitching, but when it all evens out you could go back to the foundation of who you are. Now you've experienced every style of play. You can play with different teams. You can, you can do different things. And look, the division's not over. The Braves are still going to have a run in them. I don't think the world champs are going to just go away. I personally think they're downplaying the Freddie Freeman absence. I think that's a big absence mm-hmm. for them. I think Matt Olson statistically may look the same, but I think you're ripping the heart out of a team. Yeah. There. I mean, look um, at what happened when he left and, and the tears right. and all that stuff. Like he, sure. he never wanted to leave and he lives in L.A. Like he's got family out. He's from There's L.A. something he different. Leave. Even last year, you know, I'm kind of surprised they won the championship last year because I even felt that team in 18, 19, even 20. There was a energy there. They were always they were kind of like how the Mets are. You never feel comfortable playing them mm-hmm. last year. I mean, they got hot down the stretch. They, and once you get into the, the playoffs is a tournament. That's all it is. So. Mets can win 108 games. They're going to be. They could be out in the first round. It doesn't matter. They can play the same stupid three game series that everybody else plays. Connor Gillespie. Connor Gillespie can have the game winning hit. I used to tell Yankee fans all the time when the Mets were in their baseball purgatory when Madoff happened, you only played five extra games. That's it. And, and, you know, it's kind of weird how it works out. You have all this fun, but it's only five extra games. All right. So, what do you have coming up? Stubby DeShay, Anthony Rivera. I love having these little back and forth co-hosts. Yeah, these are fun for type me. Of thing. These are fun. By the way, guys, he can see his background. You know, it might rival the background that I have. He's actually got his own Subway to Shea blown up photo. See, I don't have a talking Mets photo behind me. You got to get have, one, man. I got to get one. We got to go. Got to call my guy that does all my uh, my artwork for my office. My wife hates my office, by the way. She thinks it's <laughs> My wife hates, she's like, we have all this nice stuff throughout the house, but you have this, this, you know, 12 year old room, but Hey, this is my studio. This is my office. It's going to stay there. If Anthony Rivera can have his office, I'm going to tell my wife. So can I, but anyway, what do you have, what do you have coming up, Anthony? Well, I've written a couple of articles for rising Apple. Like I said, on Eduardo Escobar and um, David Peterson, Keep trashing, keep trashing guys. That's what you got to do. Keep trashing. And that means they're going to have big series coming up. Well, that's what I felt about J.D. Davis for a long time, because every every time I would I would hear, well, he's hitting the ball very hard, but he's getting out. There's no result. Like, he I hit the ball harder that. than anybody. It's funny. I had I spoke about that. He had the highest exit velocity, higher than Eric Judge at one point. I guess. Pro- Remember, Eric Campbell used to fall into that category. They used to keep him around because it's ball hard, but he couldn't yeah. hit. I think J.D. Look, J.D. was a top 15 offensive player in the second half of 2019 mm-hmm. it's in him can he consistently do it we'll see yeah he has his opportunity he's on the clock anthony because if he, he goes back into the doldrums they're gonna have to go out and look for another bat I oh think, absolutely i think i think i like guillerme and i and i and i do want to see but but we also haven't seen him play over the long stretch he may be that guy that you have to spot in around um you know he might be more mike gallego 
than he is starting second baseman. So anyway, so what do you got? I interrupt you. What do you got coming up? Yeah, I should have a couple of articles coming up within the next couple of weeks. It's it's hard to to write and then to focus on the podcast and do everything at, at once. But um, right. uh, I'm working on how it could be sustainable, this division lead. And, and I'll have something out for Rising Apple on that soon. But uh, the podcast this past week, I interviewed Athlete Logos. And he's been doing this uh, neon project. I mean, a lot of people have been Look, I got his, his good Fundy shirt. I got, got his good yeah, fun- yeah, I got his. I'm wearing his good Fundy shirt. He's got all the shirts out now on breaking tees, and he he's got the neon light thing, which I, I I've you know it's it's a dump, but it was our dump, Shea Stadium, and yep, I've always loved the neon lights, and I'm hoping that somehow the Coens can bring that back in some shape or form to City Field. And he's got a whole thing out. I interviewed him about it. He's got a great story. And um, that's this past week's uh, episode. If you want to check that check out. It out. Um, and I will I will say one thing. I do know for a fact that Steve Cohen and the, and, and the organization does listen mm-hmm. to what's out there. So if I, I, here's the, the, the good news. I don't know if they'll do it. And I don't know what the logistics of it are. But I think they'll at least listen. And that's a far cry from what we've seen from this organization for a long, long time. That's oh, yeah. Good. And everybody's been tweeting them ever since he posted it. Everyone's retweeting and, and tagging Steve Cohen. And I've even done it on there. I've done it on Instagram to uh, his wife, who's, you know, on there as well. Very so, involved. Alex yeah. Cohen is not just the wife. She's very involved. You know, no, she's got to the, everybody. Uh, amazing Mets Foundation. And she's yep. got things going on there. But uh, I think this week I'm trying to get to a point where I can do multiple podcasts a week because so much is happening and I don't want to be, you know, missing out on things, but I think once, you know, work settles down a little bit, once we get to the all-star break, I may be adding another podcast a week to at least have two. Um, I've been doing them every Monday, but this time I'm going to wait until Thursday because, you know, once the series end, I have a little more time to prep and prepare. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I said the other day, you know, we, I wove in the Santana no hitter and the look back into my last show. If the Mets are out of it or they're having a bad season, that's the show you like history, but you want history to be the backdrop of the current team and everything. But buddy, this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Let's do this again. Somebody Shay, Anthony Rivera at somebody Shay on Twitter. Thank you, my friend. Have a great Sunday. Be well. Thank you. Take care. That, that's Anthony Rivera co-hosting with me tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Told you I'd come to you after the Dodgers series. I thought it'd be cool to kind of have a little bit of back and forth and obviously support the good guys over at risingapple.com and Anthony over at somebody Shay. All right. That's it. You can check me out all the time at the talking Mets podcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva media and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, Pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. Savor a great weekend split. Mets Dodgers will be back with the Talking Mets podcast next Monday the day off after the end of the road trip. Till then, enjoy some baseball. Take care, everybody.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.